again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. This week, reviewing Mid-South Wrestling Television from November 12th, 1983, taped on November 9th, 1983 at the Irish McNeil Boys Club in Shreveport, Louisiana. I'm the great Brian Last, my pleasure to be with you once again, and of course, joining me as he does each and every week. Mr. New Orleans himself, Mike Mills. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing great, Brian. Thank God we don't have Buddy Nichols here calling the action this week. We talked about that at the end of last week's episode. But no, on a serious note, we, again, we're we're getting closer and closer to the big changes that you and I have referenced a few times over the last few weeks. And we're not quite there yet, but we're getting there. So hang tight, everyone. I actually thought last week's episode was a lot more fun as we reviewed it. But we're getting, we are getting closer and closer to the changes that are on the horizon for Mid-South. So this will be another fun episode as we inch towards that. This is the last taping before the talent exchange with Jarrett. So this is the last taping before things begin, really what would become a banner year in 1984. But let's kick things off. Cowboy Bill Watts and Boyd Pierce. Happened two weeks ago here on Mid-South Wrestling. You saw his hand raised. That signifies officially and sanctioned that he is the new North American heavyweight champion, the Junkyard Dog. This week we have a lot of exciting action coming up. Battle of the Powerhouse Grapplers from Minnesota, Crusher Darso, as he takes on Russian Nikolai Volkov. Popular Mr. Racing 2 returns on this week's card, and you'll see a rugged team, the Road Warriors. It all adds up to a lot of excitement. The men to tell you about it, our guest commentator, Cowboy Bill Watts. Well, like you said, you just saw Junkyard Dog regaining the North American title, the title he lost July 16th, 1983, in a two-out-of-three fall, no disqualification match in the Superdome when Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer and King Kong Bundy helped take the toll, and Butch Reed won the title. And that's heating up, and it looks like something's got to give because last week here, Hacksaw Butch Reed with a, an unprovoked attack on an already injured man. King Cobra had been defeated by Nikolai Volkov. We'd gone to a commercial break, and this is what had happened. And just like they say, Mike, we go to a recap of Hacksaw Butch Reed attacking King Cobra last week and painting a yellow streak down his back. And also a different open this week where we actually get the match clips of Junkyard Dog defeating Butch Reed with Dusty Rhodes as the referee to win the title. So a little bit of a change this week. Any thoughts about all this? I, I like the little change of pace. I mean, it's it's something different. You know, I always think as a fan, it kind of kept you on your toes when you saw something different at the top of an episode you're like oh okay cool and i've said this a number of times on this show we didn't have vcrs back then so whenever we got to see a a quick clip of what may have happened on a previous episode who knows you you may have missed that episode that week you may have had to run to the bathroom although i can't remember many times where i was dialed in on that old tv that i was like i'm stepping away as a kid uh, you just never know, man. Your mom yells at you, come here for a minute, Mike. Okay, you walk away and you come back and JYD's holding the North American title. So you just never know. I like the little change of pace and a little a little switch up right there. That was kind of cool. And I, I've got also got no problems with the, the replay of Reed and, and Cobra right here. Because, again, we had a long discussion about that last week. So good stuff. Uh, nothing, nothing, nothing bad here. Nice little change of pace on the opening right here from uh, Boyd and, and Bill Watts. Well, coming out of that recap, we go back to the desk briefly to hear from Cowboy Bill Watts about the repercussions for Butch Reed attacking King Cobra and, of course, throwing those referees out of the ring. 
that unprovoked attack, Hacksaw Reed was fined by Mid-South $500. That doesn't in any way help to solve the degradation to King Cobra. And Hacksaw Reed has made his point, but I think Mid-South wants him to take a look at the new North American champion. Let's look at this. Well, there it is. Butch Reed fined $500, a realistic sum for 1983. But then Bill Watts says Mid-South wants Butch Reed to take a look at this. And we go to a Junkyard Dog highlight video package. Any thoughts about all this? Yeah, so you heard it. I agree with you. $500 is uh, for the unprovoked attack. And I, I, I mean, that is realistic for its time frame, in my opinion. So then Watts throws us to a series of former clips we've already seen from JYD. We see JYD visit the child in the hospital that we saw some time ago. I think he was a burn victim. Uh, we then see a series of clips of JYD defeating... Uh, Mr. Olympia, Boris Zirkoff, Nick Bockwinkle from Houston, even even Kamala from Houston. What you don't get to see from the network is this. When they come out of that video package of JYD uh, beating all this talent, Boyd Pierce says the old dog is back with another one bites the dust. So when they when they go to the video package on the network, they show the dog and they play Atomic Dog. They then go to the shot of the kid in the hospital, and when they go back to the dog winning the matches he's in, that music uh, on the original footage is set to another one bites the dust. So you don't get to see Boyd mention, or he, I mean, he says, you know, uh, the old dog is back, but you, the tie-in isn't there because you don't hear another one bites the dust being played as they show these clips. So I just wanted to mention that. Um, it's on the original footage and not on the, the footage that's on the quote-unquote network. And again, it ties into something we talked about a few weeks ago where they mentioned it on commentary that he had another one bites the dust once again. Things have gotten a little slow, a little stale in Mid-South. There have been some lively moments the last few weeks and maybe some attempts at hot-shotting just to get people excited. And one of the big changes was the Junkyard Dog going back to his old music, and we've heard it on commentary the last few weeks, and we hear it here. The Junkyard Dog is back. He's back. I mean, he's been there the whole time. But I guess they're trying to make people think that he's going back to who he once was. So interesting stuff there. We'll have more about that later on. We then go to Bill Watts throwing it to the ring where Jim Ross, we haven't seen in a little while, is interviewing the tag team champions, Butch Reed and Jim Neidhart. Let's go to this. I saw Reed was upset about the $500 fine for what he did to King Cobra when he was unable to defend himself. And Jim Ross interviewed him earlier. Let's listen to that. Last week, right here on Mid-South Wrestling, for no apparent reason, Hacksaw Butch Reed with an unprovoked attack during a commercial break on King Cobra, not only did you humiliate and degrade the man, you painted a yellow streak down his back. For your actions, Mid-South Wrestling has fined you $500. And I know at this point in time, you have some words to say regarding that incident. Hey, I ain't out here to talk about King Cobra. King Cobra got just what he deserves, you understand? Because he ain't nothing but a junkyard dog stooge. What I'm out here talking about is slander against my person, you understand? The junkyard dog run around here signifying about... I got a little old puppy dog leading him around on the chain and painted a yellow streak up and down his back. Well, let me make one thing clear. Butch Reed is not cruel to animals, you understand? 
I do not go around abusing dumb animals. You understand? There's only one dog that I want to paint and lead around on a chain, and that's that greasy junkyard dog. Right. You understand that? I understand, but what's what's in this box? What's, what's in this in box? box? Show them what's in the box, brother. I'm going to show you just to prove to all you people what's in that box. Let him out of there. That dog is not abused in any kind of way at all. Do you see him? Look at him. He's half scared now. He's feeling... He's just like the junkyard dog. This dog the feels wet. Caring dog. This dog feels... He's a little scared dog. He is... I'm his master. You understand? I'm that dog's master. And that's the way I'm going to have the junkyard dog. He's going to be my master, licking my hands and licking my boots. And dog, then I'm going to put this chain on you and lead you around with a yellow streak up and down your back, sucker. <laughs> there you go. The comment that interested me the most was Jim Ross said that dog looks like it's wet. You wonder if Hacksaw Reed and Neidhart hadn't scrubbed it off right before it got here and maybe gotten rid of the evidence. Anyway, let's go to the ring and Reese Bond for the next bout. All right. Well, there's an interesting interview. First of all, Jim Ross says the dog feels like it's wet. Jim Ross never touched the dog. <laughs> we can talk about that. This dog that they take out of this stereo box <laughs> is frightened. I mean, when I see Jim Neidhart standing there with the box, I'm like, is he going to pull a boom box out? What does he have there? This dog, this poor dog is so frightened to be in the ring. And I don't even understand everything they're saying. At one point, Butch Reed loses his train of thought because he says, and Junkyard Dog, you will be my master. You will kiss my feet, or whatever he says. It gets the whole master thing confused. And then the whole idea that the dog is wet. I thought they were saying the dog was so nervous it peed itself. But then they said, Bill Watts said, they must have washed the dog off to get rid of the evidence. What evidence? What, what are they talking about here, Mike? What am I missing? No, they, they, they're all over the place. You, the first point you made, that freaking dog is terrified. I'm oh, amazed that he didn't. Poor dog. <laughs> that dog. You, you and I, we love that. We love dogs. Like, and you know, I, I, that dog is just terrified. Every time I, I have a thing on any show that I do, anytime I see an animal, a, a dog, especially in the ring, because a snake is not terrified, but a dog, well, I guess a snake could be terrified, but it is evident when a dog is terrified. That poor dog. I'm surprised he didn't poo and pee in the ring. The dog being wet thing, and they they got away with the evidence or removed the evidence. Are they trying to say that they painted the dog and then washed the dog? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was wondering. What the hell are they trying to say there? Did they yeah. paint the dog what? yellow for no reason? What are they getting at? I mean, did they wash the paint off the dog after they painted the dog so they didn't want the evidence on the dog? I, that's all I can think of as far as that goes. The Reed is discombobulated. He's the dog is his master. And then, oh, no, he's that dog's master. Look at him. Uh, Jim Ross, if you watch him throughout it, he's looking at Reed. But then he's like looking back at the dog like, what the hell's going on here? This dog looks wet or feels wet. It, there's just a whole lot going on. There is one thing, though, Brian, that did make sense that I caught. And I didn't want to say this last week, but I said, uh, but I want to bring it up now. We talked about Butch Reed painting the streak down King Cobra's back. But Reed here calls King Cobra a JYD stooge. 
So I'm assuming we're supposed to make the tie in that that's why Reed came out and painted the yellow streak down Cobra's back because Cobra is one of JYD's stooges. Uh, that's my assessment of this whole situation. Do you have any other thoughts before we move forward? I'm watching this dog. This dog is terrified. The dog is so terrified. And you kind of hit on something. I thought he was about to go to the bathroom in the ring. And yes. when Jim Ross said the dog feels wet, again, he didn't touch the dog. And then Bill Watts says, Jim Ross said the dog looks wet. No, he said it feels wet. <laughs> I was thinking the dog's nervous and he peed in, on himself in the box. Like I didn't know what they were getting at. Because again, why would he? Why would they wash the dog? What evidence are they washing off this actual dog, this puppy? It made no sense. But yeah. the thing about King Cobra, I saw that as kind of we have to make sense of this after the fact. So I think they did a bad job in not explaining it last week, and maybe they realized it. And Bill Watts was not one to try to was not one to typically leave loose ends. And they tied it together, not perfectly, but they tied it together better this week by saying, in Butch Reed's eyes, King Cobra is the junkyard dog stooge. So now it at least makes some sense. Yeah, I think you're honest. I, th I, think, that's, I think that's a fair assessment of it after what we saw last week. Well, we go to our next match, our first match this week, the Mid-South Wrestling Tag Team Champions of Hacksaw Butch Reed and Jim the Anvil Neidhart versus George Weingroff. And Randy Barber, Johnny Martinez, your referee. I didn't have too many notes about this match, Mike. Reed and Neidhart win when Neidhart hits the fallaway slam on Barber. Any thoughts or notes from you? Well, you know, Watts continued talking about the bag of wheat with Volkov, you know, putting it over Dusty's head. Watts continues to put over Reed and Neidhart's athletic accomplishments, which I think is important because, I mean, we're, we're, we're having fun with Reed and Neidhart here, but at the end of the day, these two are are very much, you know, Neidhart's a track and field. He's got a lot of expertise there with the hammer throw. And they're both former pro, you know, they got pro football experience. So these guys are not just really good and great professional wrestlers. They're actually, you know, formidable athletes in their sports that they played. And the only other note I had was Neidhart wins the match for his team with that very, very good looking Samoan drop on Barber. We then go back to the desk where Cowboy Bill Watts throws us to a recap of Nikolai Volkov attacking Dusty. Let's hear from the Cowboy briefly. Nikolai Volkov, a powerful man, a man proud of his country, says he sends half his earnings home to buy Russian war bonds so that they can strengthen Russia to keep the peace around the world. If you can imagine somebody like him looking straight in the eye and telling you that. But he attacked the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, last week during tag match. Let's watch that. Well, there's something interesting. Nikolai Volkov sends his earnings home for Russian war bonds. What do you think of that, Mike? Geopolitical Bill Watts is on it, as always. I, I didn't mention this last week, and I intended to, with Dusty getting his head, you know, busted, I don't say busted open, but hit with the bag of wheat. You know, Brian, we make fun of things when they don't make sense, but then when things do make sense, we, we, we try to stress them. So I had made mention that Dusty was like, he got shot. I mean, he's just out cold and he's just on the floor, not moving. Man, in today's environment, he would have got up and hit six tope suicidas with an announcer screaming uh, like he was the greatest human being known to man. So I just wanted to point out how Dusty, you know, he comes back later in last week's episode and gets on Volkov. But 
he was knocked out like a boxer would be knocked out. I mean, he's out cold on the floor and not moving. So, again, just driving that point home about how devastating of a shot that was in the back of the head. And if you've ever been hit in the back of the head with anything, um, if you're awake when it happens, it hurts. If you're not awake, well, guess what? It did its job. It knocked you out. Well, we go back to the desk. Here's Cowboy Bill Watts coming out of that recap. You saw the attack. We saw later what Dusty Rhodes did in return. And you know one thing, the American Dream said, step aside. He's mine. We'll see because right now we're going to go to the ring to Reeser Bowden. We have a match with a man that's only been defeated once on Mid-South, and that by Junkyard Dog, Crusher Darso, against the Russian Juggernaut. We go to our next match, Mike. Nikolai Volkov versus Crusher Darso. But Nikolai Volkov has a request during the introductions. Let's go to this. This event is for one fall with a 10-minute time limit. In the red corner at 313 pounds from Moscow, Russia, Nikolai Volkov. And across the ring at 303 pounds from northern Minnesota, Crusher Darso. I brought the Russian Nationada here so they can play that I want them to go get up and stand salute me. Because I bring to the city kind of fire. They was lying to me. Now I find I want to hear. I demand it. Well, you heard that. Nikolai Volkov has demanded that we play the Russian national anthem. Well, there it is, Mike Nikolai Volkov insisting on the Russian national anthem being played, and he stands there, chest out, while it's being played. This is, of course, before he would start singing it, as he would regularly do in the World Wrestling Federation. What are your thoughts about introducing this into the mix? I, I mean, for coming from somebody like Bill Watts, who's geopolitical Bill Watts, and I mean, this Russian thing has been a major thing on this show for, for weeks now. Uh, Watts is every single episode, multiple segments references it. So I think this was a good thing. You're right. He doesn't sing it, but we, we get to hear it. And I, I thought it was just good stuff, you know, from the, from the get go. I, I, I thought this was a good thing to do. I mean, he, he's in there against uh, someone who become a Russian sympathizer. That's the irony here against Darso, but I liked it. I, I thought this was, I thought this was good stuff, a good way to generate heat. I mean, Dude, it, it, think about it. I mean, this isn't the Olympics where they're playing the Russian national anthem on TV. This is this is American professional wrestling where we're playing the Russian national anthem. And I got to say, Nikolai's been great so far in Mid-South. He's a bigger guy. He's not going to do lots of flips or anything. But his promos have been effective. He's been used effectively. I've enjoyed Nikolai so far. Let's hear from Cowboy Bill Watts about his thoughts on this match and, of course, Russia. Russian national anthem and the Russian Nikolai Volkov, as Bill told you, against Crusher Darso, who's only suffered one defeat here on Mid South Television. That was the Junkyard Darso's carrying it to him, boy. Crusher Darso, only one man's beat him on Mid South, the Junkyard Dog. 
Nikolai Volkov was standing in perfect attention for the national anthem of Russia. That's not unusual in any Olympic-type contest or international contest. Generally, the athlete's anthem is played either before or after the contest, and everybody respects it. I just think the professional wrestling crowd are not going to stand still and listen to Nikolai Volkov's Russian national anthem with any respect after all the horrible things he's said about the United States. He's an awesome machine, a man who thought he had the North American title and was stripped of that title in a landmark decision. You hear the crowd chanting, USA, USA, USA. And we heard Dusty Rhodes after that vicious attack when Volkov was up there hollering about being stripped of the title and Dusty Rhodes came back in with hands taped and what an impassioned plea he made. And he said, step aside, dog, and Dugan, this one's mine. Bear hug. Garso's got the big Russian in a bear hug. He's got the Russian in the bear hug. Listen to the crowd. Powerful men. Barry Darso, Crusher Darso. A powerful young man. He's got him in that bear hug. These are two giants. Look at that strength. Look at Darso. Every tendon, every muscle, every nerve. The Russian trying to get the power to hit him, but Darso's putting the pain on him. He's got that back crush. Crusher Darso would love to beat this man just to shut up his big mouth without sending his money back to Russia to buy Russian war bonds so Russia can keep the peace in the world. That the United States, for no reason, attacked Granada. That the United States is causing trouble in the oil countries. Can you, you know, I don't know how they get so brainwashed. Well, there it is, Mike. Some thoughts from Bill Watts on Russia and how the Russian people get brainwashed by Russia. And, of course, Without spoiling too much, considering where things go with Crusher Darso, this kind of maybe leads into some of the things that happen with him in a, the next couple of months, and also the fact that he loses this match. Nikolai wins against this big guy with his backbreaker, and that kind of leads into things with Crusher Darso, the fact that Nikolai beat him so easily here. What are your thoughts or notes about this match? During the audio that you played, um, Darso had Volkov in the bear hug first. And then Volkov takes over the bear hug. And Darso is a big man. And I can't stress how difficult it is for Volkov to do what he did with Darso with that bear hug. I mean, he he has Darso held up in that bear hug. And it it's impressive. I mean, the average person probably looks at that and doesn't think about it. But the strength that it took to hold him up the way he was holding him for the time that he had him was impressive. And then at the end, you know, you talked about how Darso is going to lose a Volkov here. Nikolai hits his finisher on him, that over-the-head backbreaker. That is, I mean, he's muscling him up. Darso is not really helping him much. And he gets this big man over his head. And this is after he's worked the whole match, comes down with the backbreaker. It's... It's a testament to the strength of Nikolai Volkov. I've mentioned it a few times, how he's just a big bear of a man. He really is. I mean, it is impressive to watch Nikolai Volkov. Uh, you know, I don't think you hear a lot of people talk about Volkov's Mid-South timing. I say mainstream, but like you and I would, would know about it, but the average person may not. But he is impressive. His strength is very, very impressive. And it's every single week on Mid-South Television. Coming out of that match, Mike, we go to our next match. The Road Warriors, the national tag team champions out of Georgia, versus Mike Bond and Art Cruz. 
Randy Pee Wee Anderson, the referee. Let's go to some audio from Cowboy Bill Watts. He'll talk a little bit about the dog and Butch Reed and what's happening between them, but with the Road Warriors here, he talks about the Road Warriors and apparently a recent run-in in the airport with Jerry Clower. Let's go to this. Team actor now being introduced in the Black Trunks, Art Cruz and Mike Bond, the taller of the two, against, as Reacher told you, the national tag team champions, the Road Warriors. Bill? Without a doubt, they're the number one contenders for the Mid-South Tag Team titles. As Reacher Biden told you, they're the national tag team champions. But that makes them just number one in line for the Mid-South Tag Champions. And I'd like to see the Road Warriors against Butch Reed and Jim the Anvil Neidhart. There's some guys that would try to tear each other apart, literally. It's Hawk out there. He tags an animal. These guys are devastatingly powerful. They're unscrupulous. Jerry Clower, my good buddy, a great country comedian, fine Christian man, was telling me he ran into him in the airport in Atlanta, and he said they, they're the first wrestlers he's ever met, even in the airport, that are surly and, and non-communicated because Jerry loves pro wrestling. He's a big fan. When he first became so famous, he used to still, and still does, he and his daughter go to the match in Jackson, Mississippi often, and uh, all the guys really say howdy to him, and he really enjoys it, but he said these guys were just... They just, they just wouldn't even say hi. You know, they ignored him and just said, you know, some things we can't repeat here on TV. And Jerry was really, uh, as a professional man, he thought that was really low class. They fast tag. I guess you don't get paid for class in the business they're in, though. They're out there to wreck people, and they certainly do that well. They're awesome. They're just like battering rams. They don't have a lot of uh, regard for their own personal safety and much in the same type mentality as far as their own personal well-being as Jim Hacksaw Dugan. And of course, this thing with Junkyard Dog and Butch Reed, as you can see, is going beyond any bound of, of sanity. I mean, where they're down, to, the Butch Reed says, I'm going to paint a yellow streak up your back. Dog says, you might beat me on a given day. That's going to be if you take the living heart right out of me. But he said, if, I'm, you, if you ever think you're going to paint me, I'd have to be dead. No man's going to paint me. The Road Warriors end up winning this match, Mike. Animal hits a clothesline on Mike Bond, who continues to be the most awkward wrestler in the world in this match. Any thoughts or notes about this match or anything the Cowboy had to say? Why is it that Watts always talks about running into folks in an airport? Like, that's the most convenient place, it seems. No one. Run Do you remember that from like 82? He, he was running into people at the airport all the time. All the it was, time. It, he, was, he was referencing himself back then uh, as running into this person or that person. But I just found that part to be funny. So you remember that, though, right, Brian? Oh, of course. Of course. He yeah. would run into, I think, football coaches and just <laughs> all sorts of people at the airport. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, back then everybody was flying. So obviously, you know, we're. we're we're running into people in the airport and the road warriors were now running into people in the airport and, and they, they're not nice human beings when they run into people. I thought it was very interesting. You know, Watts says the warriors are the number one contenders for the mid South tag titles. You know, they're the national tag champs, but that just means that puts them first in line for the mid South tag title. So, you know, he's got to make sure, although they're the national tag champs, that those belts 
seem to fall under his belt. It just makes him the number one contender to the Mid-South title. So an interesting, uh, interesting tidbit there that Watts mentioned. And you are right. Oh, my God. Mike Bond is awkward looking. An animal with that finisher. He slugs the hell out of him with that left arm clothesline as Bond comes off the ropes. And that was that. Very similar to what we said earlier about Lanny Poffo. We've seen the Road Warriors in and out the last few months. They were involved in the stuff with DiBiase when he left. Mm -hmm. You have to wonder what the future plans might have been if Bill Watts had not gone and gotten the Midnight Express and the Rock and Roll Express and everything that would happen. Would the Road Warriors have played a bigger role in Mid-South Wrestling in 1984? Something we'll never know. But something that does play a big role in 1984 starts now. It's considered today to be one of the great angles of its time. And it wasn't always thought of that way. I feel like people have really gone back and reevaluated it and looked at it from beginning to end and realized just how great it was. We haven't seen Mr. Wrestling 2 in a little while at Mid-South Wrestling. He was a regular for the better part of a year. Well, Bill Watts throws us to an interview with Reese Bowden and Mr. Wrestling 2, who has a special guest with him, about a new role that Mr. Wrestling 2 will be taking on in Mid-South Wrestling. Let's go to this. Well, boy, today is a day of specialization, and I think there's been an exciting new concept in professional wrestling, and Reese Bowden was talking to Magnum TA and Mr. Wrestling 2, and let's join that interview. As you know, we live in a world of specialization. In the field of medicine, I think we'll all agree that specialization has contributed greatly to the advancement of medical science. In the world of professional sports, this is also true. In football, we have specialists in defensive play. We have specialists in kicking. In golf and tennis, all of these great professional athletes, no matter how great they become, uh, even in the world of professional boxing, Muhammad Ali always had a coach as do all professional uh, sportsmen. They have coaches all the way down the line because no man ever knows all there is to know. Until now, this innovation has never been conceived in the world of professional wrestling, but now it has. Mr. Wrestling 2 has for some time had his eye on Magnum TA. As you know, Mr. Wrestling 2 has a great deal of experience in professional wrestling, and he has decided that it might be good for him to act as a coach to Magnum TA, not as a manager, but a coach. Well, you've got it right, uh, Reeser. I've spent um, almost my entire life in wrestling, in athletics all the way around. And uh, I just, uh, I've been watching Magnum TA for some time. I've checked on his background. Uh, he was a st all state champion in, in wrestling. He was uh, track and field, uh, he was a track star, shot put. He's gone through a lot, and to do this, you've got to have a lot of heart, determination, drive, uh, whatever you want to call it. It takes a lot for a young man to push himself to those outer limits. Well, I've taken it upon myself. He and I have sat down, we've talked, discussed this, came to a financial agreement, which we won't get into, uh, and I'm going to pass on the knowledge that I have gained over the years to a young man that I feel is going to reach the height of professional wrestling. Uh, that doesn't mean that I'm going to quit wrestling. That doesn't mean it's going to interfere with my uh, personal uh, wrestling field. But what it does mean is that I intend to make this man perhaps the finest, the greatest wrestler, I hope, in the wrestling career of uh, that the wrestlers I've ever seen. 
Well, that indeed is a great idea, and uh, Magnum TA certainly has the uh, stuff to do it with. You know, Bruce, I got to thinking. When I made my, my greatest gains, when I made my greatest athletic progress, was at the hands of some of the greatest coaches in the country. This is when I was in the, in the amateur field. And as I've made, made this climb to the professional level, I have, not, I have left, I left the coaches behind. I've had no one to take, get the advice from. Now I have a man with 25 years of experience who I respect greatly and I hope can help me to reach the heights that I wish to attain. I know there's one question that the fans would like to know. Do you intend to teach this man your famous knee lift? You have to learn to walk before you jump. That's an exciting concept. I'm going to look forward to seeing how it develops. Mr. Wrestling 2 with his knowledge and his tremendous ability. Magnum Tia, a youngster who's really impressed everybody. Let's go to Reese Bowden in the ring to welcome back Mr. Wrestling 2. Well, Mike, there you have it. Mr. Wrestling 2 and Magnum TA interviewed by Reese Bowden. I'd like to get your thoughts on this. As I said earlier, this would be a long-term angle, something that would go into 1984, and it starts right here. What are your thoughts? Yeah, this, this is an underrated angle would start right here, for one. Uh, I mean, I think now that people have had access to be able to go back and watch it, they give it the credit that it deserves. But for many years, this did not get anywhere near the credit it deserved as far as an angle goes. This is what's going to happen with two and TA going into the next year is going to be tremendous. Both guys are so good in what is going to happen without letting out spoilers. You'll look back at this and go, wow, this was the start of something tremendous and phenomenal. And it's kind of really all I want to say right now, because it's 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 going to be so good uh, related to how they partner and, and everything that plays out. The other thing I will say about it, it all does make sense. I mean, you know, there's coaches, there's specialists in every freaking field nowadays. I mean, it's even more nowadays. I mean, if it's going beyond even coaching. There's now analytics and stuff when it comes to coaching. But, you know, I mean, football teams, you've got a special teams coordinator. You've got a kicking specialist, you know, uh, you, you baseball, you've got pitching coaches. I mean, so it makes a whole lot of sense. One more point before you go to the next match with Paul Garner and wrestling too, though, I will add T.A. talks about the climbs he made as an amateur and how he had a coach and he hasn't had a coach since then, since becoming pro. And he looks at that as like the next evolution and the next step in his pro wrestling journey to have an actual coach. Uh, and let's face it, wrestling too is a formidable coach. He's got many years in the ring. He's got tons of experience. He's a, he's he's old. He's getting up in years. But that doesn't mean he's useless. You know, he's got a lot of youth still left, one in the ring and now as a coach. This is going to be phenomenal. I think everybody, as we review, as this progresses along, is going to love not only what happens as they build things up, but as it starts to wind down. Really going to be really, really great stuff with these two. We then go to our next match, the return of Mr. Wrestling 2 versus Paul Garner, Johnny Martinez, the referee. If it wasn't for Mike Bond, Paul Garner would easily win the most awkward-looking wrestler on this show, but at least he has knee pads, which sets him apart from Mike Bond. We'll talk about this match in a moment, Mike, but let's hear some audio from Cowboy Bill Watts about everything we just heard. Mr. Wrestling 2 coaching Magnum TA. Wrestling 2, and Razor Bond's last question. Are you going to teach Magnum TA the knee lift? But the old Fox, Wrestling 2, hadn't said a word about that. Hadn't clarified it. This is a man when everywhere he goes, the crowd goes two, 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 two. 
man with a knee lift, and I've got a scar inside my mouth. Once when I was wrestling, defending the Georgia Heavyweight Championship, he put my teeth through my lip. I can tell you how tough he, hey, that man is. He loves to compete. And I tell you, I think Magnum T.A. is a lot smarter than people give him credit because here's a youngster that went out and started his best time that he showed the most growth and the most gains in, in the sport of amateur wrestling was when he was under great coaching. Teach, getting that, taught that technique, those other ways of training that pushed just a little bit further than the other guy. And now he's gone out and made an agreement with Wrestling 2 to be his coach, not his financial manager, his coach. Of course, Wrestling 2 says, I'm not going to let it interfere with my career, but I'm going to take this youngster. He thinks Magnum T.A. is probably the most outstanding young wrestler on the horizon today. But he's got it all, speed, size, and strength. I know a lot of people are starting to really warm to Magnum T.A. as they get to see this youngster who's fought them all. He's already been one half the Mid-South Tag Championship. He's already been, for just a week, a North American champion, which that match and all that effort was invalidated, and the, and the Russian was in it. Uh, Fountain Hill Public School, their yearbook editor, Lindy Ebaugh, was written Mid-South, and Jack Curtis, and saying that they're asking Magnum TVA to, for his cooperation, help to select their Wildcat Queen and three finalists for their yearbook out of 11 senior girls. I think it's a great honor. Magnum's excited about it. You know, when the fans out there in television land start wanting to, to see and to enjoy getting to meet some personable young man like this, this really a boost to his career because they really, these guys really like the fact that the people are pulling for well, Mike, what are your thoughts about all of this? The match, Mr. Wrestling 2 versus Paul Garner. And, of course, Cowboy Bill Watts' thoughts about all this and the news that Magnum T.A. will be helping out with the school yearbook committee. What do you say? 11 girls and Magnum T.A. in picking the wild cat of the year or whatever it was. <laughs> what are your thoughts about everything going on here? I, I don't know if I want to touch that comment from Watts. <laughs> Use your imagination, everyone. That's all I'll say there. But uh, on a, on a more serious note, you know, watch just ties in like why it all makes sense. You know, he talks about two going to coach TA and and how it's logical and and you know TA hasn't had a coach since leaving the amateur ranks and he made gains back as an amateur. You know, when he had a coach, so why not have a coach for his pro career? And I mean, it's kind of what we heard in the the previous promo with two. I, it all makes sense, you know, and this is the part of Mid-South Wrestling that we all enjoy, the logical aspect of it and, and whatnot. So um, the other part is T.A. is he's had a good run so far in Mid-South. I mean, I wouldn't call it great, but he's he's done some from some formidable things as a as a tag champ. He's been a brief North American title holder, lost it on a I don't even want to say lost it on a technicality, but we we heard a few weeks back how he ended up not being the champion. and. Now, he I mean, actually so lost it fair and square. Nikolai Volkov right. lost it on a technicality. That's true. So if you go back to what actually happened, T.A. won it and T.A. lost it fair and square. So he didn't have it long. But, I mean, he's he's been formidable. I mean, he's he's had a nice run so far as a, as a tag champ and a very short run as a North American title holder. So it's, um, you know, he's a guy that I think you talked about the – you know what's going to happen with with the Jarrett partnership and whatnot when the when the younger guys come in and the baby faces come in and we've all heard the famous line where the blowjobs at and whatnot. Um, Ta is he's the one guy that uh, gets the women's blood boil boiling right now. So 
this does make sense that he's got this partnership to take him to new levels. He's got a good coach now. And Watts just tied all that together from the previous promo like he always does in a good manner. And, and I thought this was good. I thought it, I thought it was a clear message from Watts on the direction that two and TA will have going forward. And we'll have to, we, we don't say we'll have to, we're going to enjoy watching it all play out. Mr. Wrestling two wins with his knee lift. And then we go to our next match, Jeff sword versus Mike Jackson, Rick Ferreira, the referee, Jeff sword wins with a swinging neck breaker. I didn't have any other notes. What about you, Mike? Watts mentions on commentary about Magnum and two next week will be in a tag match together. And he said that two believes they could even win the Mid-South tag team titles. I would see why not. Magnum is a former tag champ at this time. Watts, he still keeps mentioning the strength of the Russians, man. Uh, Geopolitical Bill Watts, as long as we got Russians in this promotion, will will never leave. Uh, He's going to get mentioned multiple times in the episode. If you remember, I said it weeks ago, get ready for Watts and his Russia takes. And um, again, as much as he talks about Russia's being inferior, he mentions it again in this match because uh, you need something to talk about. Nothing against Mike Jackson and Jeff Sword here, but uh, he mentions how the Russians are, are great athletes. And Jeff Sword defeats Mike Jackson, and that's all I have. The final match this week on the show, Tony Torres versus John King, Randy Wee Anderson, the referee. Not too much to say about this match. Time runs out. There's no finish. But Boyd Pierce has a little bit of an announcement about where he'll be next week. I found this really interesting. Let's play this. Two minutes time remaining. Action continues fast and furious. We'll stay right with it all the way. Remember, next week, Rastin 2 teams up with Magnum TA in a tag match. And I won't be able to be here next week. Cold weather's coming in, so I'll make my annual trek to Nebraska for pheasant hunting, along with some of the popular stars of years ago, former referee and wrestler Danny Fletches, Joe Dusick, the promoter in Omaha, Nebraska, Richie Ashburn, former great outfielder for the Philadelphia Phillies, and a farm boy Bill from Van Meter Highway a few years ago, Rapid Bobby Feller, a group that this will be our 15th straight year. We'll be there, but you'll be in capable hands because Jim Ross will be your host next week on Mid-South, and our guest commentator for the color will be Buddy Nichols from Alexandria, Louisiana. Well, that's great, boy. And I know those pheasants will all be safe, but the stories that will be swapped up there will probably they'll probably chill a few folks. Exactly. One these minute. Two, these two youngsters both trying for a win here on national TV. Well, there it is, Mike. Boyd won't be here next week. Buddy Nichols, who we were told would be here this week, will be with Jim Ross. He's going pheasant hunting with Danny Pletchis, with Joe Dusick, and here's the part that got me. Baseball Hall of Famers. Bob Feller and Richie Ashburn go pheasant hunting for 15 years straight with Boyd Pierce. <laughs> How did I never hear about this before? Are we to assume this is a true story? I, I, I Why would you? If, if you're going to make up that story, those aren't the names you'd pull out of a hat. I guess. Yeah, that's true. Richie Ashburn and Bob Feller and Boyd Pierce. I'm, I they know each other. I'm stunned by this, to be honest with you. All the baseball fans out there are like, because I'm not a big baseball guy, you know that. I mean, I, I follow it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a fair weather, I guess you'd call it. But yeah, I guess the baseball fans heard that and they're like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, not only Bob Feller, Bobby Feller. He knows him well. <laughs> like, what? What a way to end this episode. I have nothing else to say. You have any thoughts or notes about John King versus Tony Torres? 
Well, I, I, I did have notes on the pheasant hunting expedition. I didn't realize all of those names that you'd bring out, but I will say this. Bill Watts just has to throw a jab and a haymaker at Boyd. He says, the pheasants will be safe. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> which, I thought was, which I thought was was great. And yeah, Jim Ross is supposed to be with Buddy Nichols next week calling action. So stay tuned to see if that's what happens. Yeah, as far as this match goes, nothing much happens. The news of the match is actually Boyd's uh, pheasant hunting trip to Nebraska. And by the way, he can't be here next week because he's going pheasant hunting. Next week is the second episode from this taping. So he's in the building for this taping. Kayfabe, brother. <laughs> of all the things to kayfabe, that he's going <laughs> pheasant hunting with Bob Feller, Richie Ashburn, and Joe Dusick? I don't know. <laughs> if you remember, of, of like months and months ago, this may have been even have been in 82. I don't even think it was in 83. Remember when Bill Watts couldn't be at the back end of a taping because oh. he had to catch a plane because yeah. he had to meet some people it's always i have to go to the airport or i have to get on a plane i have to fly somewhere in the middle of the taping he, yes, that's he said remember it was he didn't even drop names brian he said i gotta go meet some people <laughs> that's nice like that's 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 me in the middle of a recording going Brian, you're going to have to get Jace or somebody else to pick up this back end. I got to go meet some people. Uh, we'll be back next time. <laughs> I'll be back next time. Yeah. And you'd be like, you got to go meet some people. Where the hell did that come from? <sighs> well, we'll see what is ever said ever again about this pheasant hunting expedition. But until then, another episode of Mid-South Wrestling in the books. Want to remind you, you can follow me on Twitter at GreatBrianLast. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter, at Super Podcasts, or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Arcadian Vanguard. You can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com, available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you'd like to join in the discussion about Mid-South Wrestling, or perhaps just read some great Mid-South Wrestling history, then check out Kayfabe Memories and the Mid-South Wrestling Forum on that message board, tinyurl.com slash wrestlinghistoryforum. Takes you right there, or just go to kayfabememories.com and click the link to go to the message board. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you and booking the territory? Give me a follow on Twitter at Mike504Saints. I always say it. I like to post various clips from the shows that Brian and I uh, record and some of the some of the finer moments. I don't know about the pheasant hunting moment that we just had here, although that was kind of comical as the pheasants will be safe, according to Bill Watts. But no, give me a follow there at Mike504Saints on Twitter and come listen to Book in the Territory at tinyurl.com slash bttpod or search Book in the Territory wherever you get your podcast from, including this one. We'll be there as well. We are the unprofessional wrestling podcast because the jokes are terrible, the language is strong, but we still have fun nonetheless. As we talk NWA Saturday night, as we leave 1989 and we're into 1990 on the show. So come give us a listen there. Myself, Hard Body Hopper, and Doc Turner. Lots of fun, lots of laughs, and a great time with uh, some crazy banter as well. Brian, another fun episode. Man, I'm getting excited because we're really right there on the cusp of, uh, oh, I'm sorry, we're on the precipice of some really, really fun times with Mid-South. And it, I mean, you can you can feel the excitement. You and I know what's coming and it's really, really gonna be a lot of fun. 
Well, until then, the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. Your producer is Jace Nakarado. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho! Mm-hmm.